Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions, and that's what I'm going to do for you. That's why I bring guests on my show, so you can hear their stories. Their stories may be similar to what you're going through or what you're trying to achieve. And when you listen to them, you realize they're peaks in their valleys and how you overcome those valleys will get you back up to that moment so you can call your peak and look on the other side of the mountain. These are the passions we want to talk about. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you. My next guest, I'm happy to have him on the phone. Uh, He's Rashid Wallace. He's a Philadelphia Sports Hall of Famer and 16-year NBA veteran and four-time NBA All-Star. He's a philanthropist, activist, high school basketball coach, and co-host of Let's Get Technical, podcast with his former NBA teammate, Bonzi Wells. Rashid is dedicated to helping his community and bringing people together. He provides food and resources to underserved communities in cities including Philadelphia, Charlotte, Durham, Flint, Detroit, and has been a leading voice into the calling for an end to gun violence, police brutality, and racial injustice. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Rashid Wallace. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate <laughs> it. Had a lot to say about you, Rashid. Had nothing to do with basketball. I just said the basketball in the beginning. But after that, man, you're all about the community, man. Tell us about that transition, man, from the NBA to be a person that has a voice that's not tied. You know, you always be known with sports. You always, that's part of your mm-hmm. brand. But, you know, to step out there, you're six feet 11, almost seven feet tall. So you're always going to make an interest in any room that you enter. But, but your right. brand of what you're trying to be known for now, what is it? Um, just, just being a good person yes, just sir. to sum it up, you know, I just, I just try to be me, do what I can do. Um, the most high has put me in a position where I can help others. Um, as you mentioned on your intro, you know, different people have different, different signs of success. And it's just a majority of people base their success. Like you say, off of money, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't base my success off of money because Hey, just as fast as it come, it can go. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. to me, I, I look at what, what, what am I going to leave behind? What am I here for? What am I doing now while I'm here? To me, that's my success. You know, I could just be sitting at home, a couch potato, you know, retired, but I, I choose not to. I choose to be out there in the streets, in the, in the midst of it all, to try to, to, get, to get life right, to get things right in our community for our people to make it better. And, you know, being and it's really interesting because you can't avoid who you are. You're nearly seven feet tall. So no matter where <laughs> right. you go, you're going to gain attention. When you come in, you're a good looking guy, you're tall, you dress right. And so with that attention, you can't avoid who you, what you've been or what you're trying to accomplish in life. And so when you talk about, you're right, money can go. Man, 2008, people found that out. The stock market crashed. I know that money went left, right, and out of everybody's mm-hmm. pockets. And so that's right. a big old signal. And so when I see that you all over the country, caring about different locations and places of need. How does that exactly work? Do you have a staff? Do you just, you, you watching television? You just have an urge to contribute? How does that work with your, with your, with your organization, Rashid? 
it's not even an organization. It's just all from the muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have time to sit back and, and get proper clearance to go here and then get this permit and that permit because right. by the time those things happen, you know, your, your cause is lost. People need these resources now, not a couple of months from now when people downtown decide to stamp it and now it's a permit. Okay. We can do it. No, they don't, they, they need the help now. And that's, that's always been the thing is, you know, just trying to, trying to do what I could do. I've seen it growing up in my neighborhood. I got my, I guess you could say my community love. Right. I got from my babysitter when I was a young fella. Right. My babysitter was block captain. And so being that block captain, she was responsible for how to block look, you know, all the, all the other homes, you know, the front houses and you know, how everything looked. And to me, seeing that growing up was like, okay, dad, Miss Cora, she, she really into, you know, into her neighbors and this and that. And then it just went on from there, you know, just showing different <laughs> love and, and, yeah. and doing, and doing this and doing that. So, I mean, I, I get a joy out of it, man. It's, you know, I spent my birthday up in Flint, um, a couple of weeks ago, my birthday was on the 17th. Mm-hmm. I spent my birthday in Flint, uh, passing out resources to the people that needed it, man. And, and to me, that was my birthday present. You Thank know, you. when I knocked on them doors, you know, me and me and the other brothers and sisters that were out there, we knocking on them doors and we dropping these packages off and to see the smile on a lot of these people faces, like, like, yo, that's, that's it for me. That's, that's, that's what I do it for. I don't do it for no recognition. I could care less about a TV camera being out there or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, I do it for the people. Well, you know, so would you would you be in there? Tell us, uh, my listeners and sometimes in some situation viewers, what are what is going on in Flint right now? You was up there passing out care packages. Mm-hmm. So there's still a need to be doing that. So what exactly from a from a social standpoint, political standpoint, what are they doing for those people up there? Well, Everyone thinks that it's settled because the state of Michigan gave the residents of Flint $600 million. Right. But that's, that's not a lot of money because breaking it down, it's only going to come out to something about, I think like 1300 to 1500 per person who was affected by this. And then you have to prove that you lived in this community or, you know, through doctor's notes or whatever, I guess that, you have, uh, you know, these illnesses from the lead being in the water. So you pretty much got to prove it. Right. To me, I, I see it all. I see I see the kids up there. You know, I, I, when it first happened, I'm up there in the community. And I, I, I really wish I still had the picture. I know my cousin might. But we, we took samples of the water. Like, man, this, this water was so burned. Just imagine if you lived out in the field, right? right. It was mm-hmm. a big rainstorm. And you went out there and you got some mud from the mud pile. And you put it all in a bottle and that, and that whole muddy water. That's how this was up in Flint. Really? And this, and this is a, yes, this is a catastrophe. Like, it, it wasn't no lie. When you saw pictures of this uh, contaminated water looking lime green and, you know, doo-doo brown and all mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. that, that was real. And, and this is what they're trying to tell the people that you got to bathe in, you got to drink it. You know, just cooking, think about our kids cook. in elementary mm-hmm. scores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cooking. You know, everyday life, we take we take it for granted how much we use water every day. You know, when you wake up, what's the first thing you do? You know, you take your shower, brush right. your teeth and all of that. Right. Right. Then, as you just mentioned, water for your cooking, you, you know, your coffee or your tea, you know, every day. And these they have to live out of, of, of um, with bottled waters, with gallon bottled waters, you know, and you got to heat this up. This is how you got to wash, wash up taking bird baths. 
you know, and it's mm. just a certain area in Flint. Now, so, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tapping to your emotions because I, I know you're always in the NBA. You've always shown me you're an emotional guy. And you seeing this because a lot of this stuff is out of your hands. You know, you can't do anything, Rashid. You can go up there, you can pass it out, but you know, this is only like, like they say, a band aid over a gunshot. Really, that's all it is. Right. And so, how do you how do how do you walk away from that? And and how do you maintain some de- degree of a uh, not just wanting to punch somebody in the face for being stupid because they see the same thing you see, and they have the power to right. correct that problem. Yeah, fact. And but the people that that have the power to correct the problem are dragging their feet. Right. You know why? Because them, their family and loved ones don't live in this area. Right. Here it is. Like like it's it's one specific um, area where we go to in Flint, where it's uh, it's a majority of elderly people living. So, you know, of course, they can't get out there to that grocery store. You know, no mm-hmm. matter if they got younger people in their family or not, you might might not be able to get out there. Or, you know, you live you and your husband or you and your wife, you know, y'all living by yourselves, it takes y'all, you know, some time to be able to go out and do things. Well, that's why we here. You know, and we we, we I, I don't have no problem with going door to door, you know, because it's, it's first of all, it's all a peaceful matter. And if, if the people like to want the resources, boom, I'm gonna leave them or sit them inside the door. If not, it's no problem. You know, I still hope you have a blessed day. Right. So it's 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 all about it's all about just just as you mentioned, the the look on those people's faces when we leave and for us to say like, yo, we'll be back up in a couple months, you know, right. we're gonna get the resources together again. Like like they look forward to that. It's like almost like, you know, a Christmas to some people because it's like through the city, through the state, they don't care about them. They don't. But we gotta let them know, hey, look. Y'all still are brothers and sisters. We care about y'all. We care what's happening to y'all. And that's why we're here. Now, you know, that's what, now there's a number of cities that I missed. You know, Clinton is pretty obvious what's going, Flint, excuse me, pretty obvious what's going on. I mentioned Philadelphia, Charlotte, Durham, and Detroit as some of the cities that you you went in in underserved communities. Can you uh, tell us what you're doing in Philadelphia or what you've been doing? Because I like really the people to hear your story because, you know, man, you're all over the country. You know, and 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 participating mm-hmm. and trying to make change. And I know you say, "Hey, man, I don't care if a camera not there or or, 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 or somebody's not there taking pictures." But I wish they are. I hope they are. I've seen you on social media. I've seen it because we need to have this story told because you're you're living it and it needs to be documented. And and, I, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show. Hey, hey, man, I know I'm a big fan of your NBA career, but man. What you're doing in the community is 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 amazing, man. And the, so, what what do you what was the challenges in Philadelphia? Well, the first thing we're doing um, coming up October 16th and 17th. Mm-hmm. Um, the 16th, myself, uh, Leonard Stewart, who's the coach at Simon Grass High School, and all the powers to be at Grass High School. We're trying to put together a, um, a memorial for a former player who got killed to some senseless gun violence. Wow. And um, and so we're going to put a, a rally together, you know, to drop the guns and get some hugs or, you know, any type of slogan like that. But the main catch is it's all about peace. You know, mm-hmm. for us to, we always talking about, oh, the white man is the white man that, well, guess what? Well, if you help yourself out first, you know, you can't blame him for everything. Mm-hmm. You can't blame the white man for everything because we do a lot of it to ourselves. Right. So if we, right. if we gain that knowledge and, and, and one thing I like to say is positivity is power. 
you know, even though negativity travels faster, everybody's spreading it more and saying it more, but guess what? The power of positivity is, can travel just as fast. You, all you got to do is get that right moment with the right people to touch other people. Now you, and what we have going on is the drop the gun. Drop the and gun. October 17th, we're going up to Lonnie Young Recreation Center in um, East Germantown. And we'll be stationed there. And we're going to do the same things that we do in Flint and in other places where we're knocking on door to door, passing our resources. It's hard right now for everybody out here, man. I know it really is. It really is. And then when you, when you want to be a voice to end gun violence, pro, police brutality and racial injustice, you know, we all know during the pandemic, the, uh, I would tell people, man, you know, I'm older than you. And so uh, I don't, you know, the fact that I'm not comfortable when a police officer pulls me over, even though I know I've mm-hmm. done nothing wrong, that, that that's not fair. That's not fair. Rashid. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and what happened to George Floyd kind of ignited, not just black people, white people finally kind of saw, and, you know, it was like a perfect storm pandemic. They at the house, they getting to watch something that everybody kind of knew. Their parents knew for sure. The young people were being shielded by, it. they opened their eyes and go, okay, that's what I enjoy mm-hmm. seeing so many white people marching. I like that. That brings up, that brings joy to my heart. And so when you're talking about battling or trying to bring attention to it, how, what, what role are you playing in all that, Rashid? Just, just being there for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as I mentioned, it's not about the cameras or whatever. If I know I have some celebrity friends, you know, ex teammates or whatever that can spare their time. Yes, sir. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily need money. Like I tell everybody, they always, Oh man, how can I, how can I donate this and that? I say, Hey, first off, I'm not, a, I'm not a foundation. I'm not an organization. I do this from the muscle. So what you're going to have to do is I'll, I'll let you know the, the store that we're using, like up when I was going up to Flint, we used the uh, Walmart that was in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Everybody who wanted to, who couldn't be there to want to chip in, you know, to get the water and resources. Okay. Call a Walmart It's purchased. And then we're putting it on our truck on one of the pallets on our truck to go up there. So it's that way, you know, you getting it right there. It's not, it's not, uh, have to go through this funnel or that funnel. No, them resources going right there. If you want to buy, uh, $200 worth of baby diapers, then guess what? It'll be there. $200 worth of baby diapers. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, I don't, I don't want to become an organization to where I have people doubting me, doubting what I'm doing and thinking that their money like, oh man, you know, that money ain't doing nothing. They just, that's a scam. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not a scam. You know, I'm, I'm right there with it and uh, it, it, it can't be. Right. We know it's important that you say that because people do question you. You know, you're a successful person. He's just out here temporary. That's why I like what you said. You tell the people you come back because people don't they think it's a one off. And you are a celebrity. You're a star. And so, oh, he's down here just to make himself feel good this week. But when you come back, that validates you to the community. It really does. And I've been in that Mm -hmm. position. I've been in that position where I've spoken to at-risk students that these are one step away from going to jail if they make one more mistake. And their biggest cry to me was, no, you ain't going to come back. Yeah. What you going to get up out of here? Mm -hmm. 
You know, they, you know, your time's up, okay? And they give that little half clap, you know, Rasheed. That you, yep. And so, but, but I had to come back every week before I got them to believe that I cared about them. And that's really hard. And that's why, you know, when I'm talking to you, you understand what I'm saying. It's like, that's why I understand why you went to high school coaching. I'm sure because you, you wanted to reach these kids and show that you care. Plus you have a your, your success story in the sport that they want to play. You went to college and then you proceeded mm-hmm. to last in the NBA for 16 years. You was an all-star. So so that's really you're an example. You're using your life as an example to them, I'm assuming, correct? Oh, definitely, because I'm definitely not coaching for the pay. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said the muscle now. But, Come on, Rasheed. You said the bro, muscle now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, that, that, that high school basketball, it's, it's nice. I love it. You know, it's, I have the chance to help mold and guide these young kids into becoming something in their lives. Right. You might not necessarily be a professional athlete, yes. but you will be a professional athlete. Actually, this past season, I had what? I had five seniors. Yes, sir. Well, I, don't, I can't take credit for three of them for the simple fact they were playing um, football, so they already were it was just the fact that they're athletic and could play basketball. But I had two guys on it who were seniors and ended up on college. And I know it wasn't no big time college or whatever, but guess what? It was the college to help them advance their life. Right. To get that preparation. Right. And that's and that's what it's all about. That's what I love. You know, it's a hard road. Really? Guess what? Hey, that's why I coach here. Absolutely. You know, and like you said, like you said, the thing that to your mantra had always been, it's not about the money. And so I, I didn't expect mm-hmm. it. When I was talking about high school, I wouldn't expect you to say they're paying you because we know that's not the case. We know that you're there to change lives. And when I look at your whole agenda, it's about changing lives. Now, now you have mm-hmm. a podcast and and it's called uh, Let's Get Technical. Um I'm assuming mm-hmm. that's uh, tied to some things you you did in your career in the NBA. <laughs> uh, since you set the record, you know, can I, can, I, can I tell everybody about the record you set in 2000, 2001? Received 41 technical fouls over a span of 80 games, about one technical foul for every two games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was going through your mind that season, Rasheed? Oh man, I had a lot of things. You know, I had some some family things, and right. then, you know, just just some of the pressures of just just playing and and wanting to win, right? And you know, playing against great adversaries at that time. Um, it was it was also a fact of you know, the, in my opinion, they tried to control me, right? And like, I know I'm a grown man. You're not going to control me. I'm respectable. I'm not going to do nothing stupid to jeopardize my job, right? But but damn, let me be me. <laughs> I'm gonna do my work, and and then you know, it all it all came out in the end when you know I was vindicated through certain action. And you know, it's really important. Like you're on there with Bonzi Wells. So I'm I'm a, I'm based in Atlanta right now, but I'm from Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. So I know Bonzi Wells, Ball State baller. You know when he was yeah. with the Houston Rockets, and you ran to him up in Portland when he was in Portland, right? When he was drafted by the yep. Trailblazers, right? So did y'all yep. bond immediately, or is it just a relationship that kind of like grew out, and you guys just because you know you got traded several times, and so did he? How did you guys maintain mm-hmm. this relationship? Well, it was first Bonzi's my rookie. You know, that's that's my guy right there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, he was my rookie in Portland. We drafted him, and when he came, like 
truth be told, I didn't know nothing about Bonzi mm-hmm. because um, at the time, you know, the the powers to be that were in the front office wasn't pretty much sharing who they had uh, ideas of drafting or any of that. They didn't share that with us. So, which was fine with me. Hey, I ain't got no problem with it. But when Bonzi first came in there and the first practice that uh, that we had, you know, he was a little timid. Mm-hmm. He was a little timid because mm-hmm. he didn't know quite what to expect because it was all new for him because six months before, he was just watching this on TV. Right. And here it is now. <laughs> he's in practice with it. So, you know. So, let me ask you, the Rasheed, the that, that really does affect players like that? You know, to come in and see you guys and realize they are on the floor with you guys. Does it really affect players like that? Oh yes, it does. It does. It's it's it's, it's everybody gets starstruck, mm-hmm. especially if it's a player you like. Like I can when I first came into the league, man. Let me tell you this: Patrick Ewing was my guy. Right. All right. Right. And so I came into the league playing against Pat. Pat bust my ass, but I'm mainly. <laughs> I'm mainly still in awe, like, yo, damn, I'm playing against Pat Ewing. And mm-hmm. here it is, boom, he dunking on me. Right. Oh, I'm playing against Pat Ewing, <laughs> and he hitting a little fadeaway jump shot. I'm like, man. So, yeah, we, we get starstruck. But right. Bobby snapped out of it within the first week, though. Right. And once he came around, we seen he was a dog. Oh, yeah, young fella, you're you going to be good on this team. Come on. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, I'll be remiss to talk about uh, you You got to play against Michael Jordan. You mm-hmm. know, I, I didn't – all I was just a fan, just watching the guy and do – give us your impression of playing against this guy and uh, his, his abilities and his talents on the basketball court. We're just talking about the basketball court and Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say he's probably one of the – top competitors that I've ever seen and played against, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and literally he wants to beat every game. <laughs> I'm talking about, it could be anything like you guys could be playing pig or horse right? or like, Oh, I bet you that I could throw this, this football farther than you. Right. Oh no, you can't. He wants to be, he's that competitive where he wants to beat every game. And that's what, that's what drove him. That's what, that's what drove him to be the, the player that he was throughout his career because I'm going to be the best. Right. You better be ready because I'm coming. I'm going to be the best. And playing against him, it was the same thing I just mentioned about Bonzi. I was in all two the first time I played against Mike when I was in uh, Washington. Right. You know, because, again, I'm, I'm I'm watching this man, you know, up in a dunk contest and in the championships and boom, now here I am. I got a front row seat to see this brother. Right. So it was it was definitely fun, but he's a hell of a competitor. Cool. Now, now you got a hell of a competitor on your podcast show. Let's get technical. Now, we talked a lot of things about the community. What is your podcast show and what, what is your interview angle and what is your approach? And what, is, what is the, the point of view of your podcast show? Let's get technical with Bonzi Wells. Well, Bonzi and I, our, our main thing is to get information out there and have fun with it to be different. You know, there are a lot of professional athletes who have their own lane. Mm-hmm. and dealing with uh, podcasts and, you know, some YouTube stuff and all of that. But Bonzi and I, of course, we're different, two different personalities. But we're going to let the people know from our point of view. You right. know, we're there. We're, we're, we're there in the communities. You know, Bonzi does community work as well up there in Indiana where he lives at. Um, our, 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 our whole show is just more than basketball. Yes, it is. We're more than basketball. Even though that's our... That was our job, but you know, 
We want to be known for having some insight on football, boxing, baseball, uh, you know, a whole lot of social injustice that's going on now. Um, just a lot of things. We touch on every topic. Now, the interesting thing, I'm just letting you know, Bonzi is a, is a hoot, as they say, my, as my mom would say. He's a hoot. He's funny. He's entertaining. <laughs> uh, you know, he's uh, sarcastic. And so their personalities blend because, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Rashid's a little bit more edgier than Bonzi. But they're both passionate, but they have different ways to get mm-hmm. to the passion. And that's why I enjoy seeing the show. I've seen a couple of episodes. I laugh because of the fact that, you know, even in the in the in the booth, there's a height difference. Okay. In the <laughs> <laughs> And it is really cool. But I, I have you written a book yet, Rashid? Uh, I have a couple of children's books. Okay, cool. The the reason I want to bring up this famous line, Ball Don't Lie. First time I heard it. And 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 Reason I I I want to close the show talking about that because it's more than just about basketball. When I really broke it down, and and it's about life. Don't lie. It's about effort. And I don't want to mm-hmm. get too far in the description because I wanted to be said out of your voice, out of your tone, out of your language because of the fact that you know you you and and, and when I first heard you say it, you know, I was like that's so profound. And then when I did my research, I went. Wow, this this really applies to corporate America. This doesn't just apply. This applies mm-hmm. to education. This applies to what the, what what America is going through right now. It doesn't lie. You know, brutality, the COVID nineteen, the economy, the indifference between uh, racial indifferences that we have in America because the ball don't lie. In the end, it tells the truth. Tell us how you come up with that phrase, "ball don't lie," and tell us if you if you ever write a book for adults. That has to be the title of that book, but let's go talk about <laughs> ball. Don't lie. Cause I'm just telling you, I know you, I know you've talked about it, talking to have talked about it a lot in your life, but it's so profound, mm-hmm. man. And, and it means so much to so many different people. When you go to Flint ball, don't lie. It don't lie. That, that young man dying, being shot ball. Don't mm-hmm. lie. Drop these drugs. But let me say, I'm not stealing your thunder. Rashid, tell us what ball don't lie. How did it how did it come about? And how did you realize it was a unique phrase you had to hold on to? Well, truthfully, I first heard it on the schoolyards of Philly playing right. basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just something, you know, we always said, along with a whole lot of other, you know, trash talking. Right, right. So when um it's it's like, okay, say say you and I are playing, right? right? And boom, you try to take me to the basket. But and you think I fouled you, but we both know I didn't foul you. You call foul because it's game point and you missed the shot. Right. So it's right, like, right. all right. And then so boom. So you get the ball back <laughs> and you missed the shot and I get the rebound. Hey, that ball don't lie. So come on. And now it's my turn. You know what I'm saying? So it 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 just carried over to the NBA and you know, I was mainly saying it when the rest would call the these weak, cheesy fouls on me and the guys that go to the foul line and they missed that first shot. Hey, the ball don't lie. It's karma. Right. It's the right, basketball guy. Right, right. Right. That's hot, man. Uh, you know, I, I, I want this is the first time we've spoken. Um, I hope you um, keep me in your in your memories about any opportunities. If you ever want to do a documentary, man, ball don't lie documentary, because that's what yeah. you're doing right now. Rasheed. One thing about my gift, man, I see stuff, brother, and I see it sure. come to truth. And you are special, man. You're special because your story that what I need to people see your story. I want your story on tape. I want your efforts on tape. I want your blessings that you're sharing with America, no matter what color on tape, because you out there doing what you say, man. Ball don't lie, brother. 
you the truth, man. For real. I appreciate that, good brother, for sure. You know, I'm I'm just playing my part, doing what I'm supposed to do. You just coming off the bench, brother. That's all. Coming off the bench. Yes, sir. And doing what you got to do. Rasheed, thank you for calling my show, man. And we're going to talk soon, man. And you're going to get a call from me, man, because I'm serious, brother. You might not want tape on you, but I'm going to put some tape on you. Okay, <laughs> I can you can oh, you sure. can ask anybody about Rashawn McDonald. I say what I'm gonna do, man. You too special, brother. <laughs> you way too special, man. Be sitting around here talking about, hey, man, muscle up. Now nah, we gonna muscle up together and put you on tape because you changed this world, man, by what you do, and you are a global phenomenon, man. You know, you're not what you're doing in Flint is worldwide. You know, what you're doing in Detroit is worldwide. Durham, Charlotte, Philadelphia. All those efforts need to be, that story needs to be told because if we don't let you tell the story, man, then guess what? We don't win. If you want to hear any of the interviews on Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.